you want to know why your website is better than any salesperson, plus my top go-to-market strategies for a B2B startup. Hey, I'm Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com and host of the Top 100 Marketing Podcast Business Growth Show. If you haven't yet, check out my weekly email where I'm sharing actionable web and marketing tips, useful podcasts, free guides and resources, and much, much more each and every Monday to start your week off with a bang. Give it a try over at businessgrowth.email. Today, the roles are reversed. Zach Thompson and Jack Frimston are interviewing me for their We Have a Meeting podcast. We're talking all things go-to-market strategy for B2B startups, why your website beats any sales rep, and a bunch of other marketing tactics for B2B. So with that said, let's jump straight into the show. Welcome to another episode of the We Have a Meeting podcast with myself, Zach Thompson, and Jack Frimston. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, a wizard in the world of marketing, a man who's a regular voice that we enjoy on LinkedIn, and a fellow podcast host. We're joined today by Sam Dunning. Sam, how are you? Yeah, doing well. Thanks, lads. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to the chat today. Yes, so are we. I know you've got a few controversial opinions on things, so we're looking forward to uh, to, to jumping <laughs> into that and having a bit of a Barney later on. But to uh, to kick things off, if we were both employed in a job, and I remember this back when I was working for someone, often sales and marketing are at war with each other. They don't work very well. They don't work symbiotically, even though often they have the same end objective. So from your standpoint, how can sales and marketing work better together? Oh, it's a good one. It's a good one because I've been <laughs> on both ends of the stick as well. So I've worked in companies where I've been kind of the, the sole sales rep and likewise now work with companies helping them with their marketing. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to it. I mean, ultimately, I think it's marketing actually understanding first and foremost, probably what counts as a sales qualified lead, um, especially if we're talking about, let's say, a B2B company that's maybe operating in the tech space tech space defining kind of what actually is a sales qualified lead because as far as marketing are concerned it might just be someone that downloaded an ebook that gave them their email signed up for a webinar signed up for your newsletter um something like that when in truth if you if you pass something like that to a sales rep all they're going to get told on the end of the phone is to do one to go away get lost um maybe one in 100 one in 500 might take a meeting but the vast majority of those aren't going to be ready yet to speak to sales just yet. They're going to need some kind of nurturing, whether that's email, social, whatever. So I think that's probably one of the early things you need to define, like understanding who the ideal client profile is, who exactly you want to attract as a client, as a customer, what kind of industries they typically operate in, um, what kind of businesses they come from, their size, their scale, their turnover, and then understanding What's a sales qualified lead? What is this persona? Um, have they got intent to buy and so on? So that's probably one of the first things. And then understanding that marketing activity actually needs to drive that quality sales pipeline um, first and foremost. So I suppose that is the that's the start of it. And then working together, I guess, to understand things like well, what kind of budget have we got to attack marketing with? Um, what are going to be the first go-to-market strategies really and that's going to 
depend on where your business is at, whether you're funded, whether you're bootstrapped, um, how scrappy you need to be mm-hmm. to then um, hit the market, really, whether you're going to go kind of fully outbound cold calling, whether you're going to have some money to go inbound, work on your website, work on some paid strategy, maybe work on some demand generation. So that's my first first point. If you guys want to dive a bit deeper into that. Well, it sounds like what you're saying, if you if you if you took it at grassroots level, is an understanding of expectation. Would you agree with that? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Defining kind of what constitutes someone someone's ready to actually chat to a sales rep, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And then typically people are targeted slightly differently, aren't they? So marketing might be targeted on one thing, sales are targeted on the end goal, and they are often at, at, at loggerheads. So perhaps outlining where that expectation ties in and how you can help each other instead. But from my standpoint, I don't think I've ever worked in a business where sales and marketing got on, which I think is is odd. It'd be like, I don't know, the MD and the financial director not getting on, which I'm sure happens, but they <laughs> have the same end goal, don't they? They have to get on at some point, otherwise the business will fail. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I think the issue is that most marketing execs haven't actually spoken to customers so as far as they're concerned when they're sending a lead on it's as good as gold it's ready to ready Mm. to buy it's ready to rock and roll um when the truth is that both marketers and sales need to be speaking to customers regularly understanding things like what are problem common pain points common problems that prospects actually bring to us Um, what are their main motivators, their main desires, their main goals, the main things that they actually want to happen. Um, And then utilizing these things in the marketing material that gets put out, whether that's on your website, your content, your videos, your podcasts, your SEO articles, and so on. Um, So making sure that what we're attracting is actually what we want to get kind of thing. Um, Mm. So so it, it seems like your understanding of sales informs your understanding of marketing so so maybe it's advisable to wear both hats at some point in your career if you if you couldn't understand the pain of the sales side would you be as good at marketing as you are oh definitely not like definitely not i mean um so i've got the advantage of i run a podcast so i kind of speak to marketers and i also speak to sales leaders all the time um i started life as a sales rep so i cold called for a quite a long time before I worked up to kind of be an SDR and an AE and then eventually co-ran this business and then work on a bunch of marketing strategies. So every day is an education, very much so. Um, But yeah, I think there's, and this isn't to say all marketers, but I think too many marketers just don't actually listen to what's going on. So they need to, depending on how advanced you're, sales team is like some sales team are going to have software like refract or chorus or gong where you can literally listen into sales calls or otherwise you can just record your calls and actually understand what prospects are saying whether like for example if sales are feeding back that these these leads are feeding us absolutely shocking then marketing needs to be listening to what the customer responses are Hmm. and then chatting to sales and saying well okay what can we do to improve what is what defines a great client what defines someone that's ready to speak to you what are these typical frustrations, problems that they bring to you? Okay, let's look at how we can attract these. And that might be leveraging that in the content we start creating and distributing, um, which we'll probably get into at some stage. 
Sure. So you you mentioned earlier about nurturing those leads via marketing. What would you say in in 2022, where we are in the current state of the world? What are for all the for all the business owners, I guess, that listen to us, if they've not really dipped their toe in the marketing pool, and, and we'll be honest, we haven't done so much so much so far because there's not really been a demand for it. Where would you start? Where's a good place to start, and how would you continue to nurture those leads in the B two B world? Well, in terms of someone that's shown a very vague interest in what you do, well, well, I would say like for, for someone that hasn't touched anything yet, they're looking at marketing, they're a business owner, and they want to attract clients. Where's where's because there's so many different avenues that you can go down, and especially where we are, do you go down a demand gen? Do you set up a podcast? Do you set up an ebook? Where's a good place to start? What do you think is is the best place to start in terms of marketing where we are at the current place? Yeah, yeah. Are we talking B2B company? Yeah, B2B. Yeah, B2B. Cool. Um, yeah, so let's say if you are a startup and you're perhaps strapped for cash, I'd imagine. Um, so you're limited on what you can do. So marketing-wise, I mean, LinkedIn's almost a no-brainer. It's the biggest B2B network there is. You guys use it. I use it. Um, it's one of the fastest ways that you can start conversations in terms of marketing perspective if you're not using phone, if you're not using another tool. So, yeah, it's a great way to connect to prospects, start conversations, um, put out your own content, build your personal brand. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that that's a no-brainer because it's free to use. The organic reach on LinkedIn is still high. So you can literally put out posts over time, build yourself as an authority, as a credible person, as the go-to person for your industry. So let's mm-hmm. say you sell software, maybe you sell SaaS software, you can over time share educational, helpful, useful tips around what you do and position yourself as someone that knows what they're, what they're talking about. Um, so in a few months' time, you might start to attract inbound inquiries and make referrals, make connections, all that good stuff. Um, but probably my, um, my thoughts on this are, probably quite controversial to most because if I didn't have much cash I'd probably do what I did when I was literally at this point so when I was at a startup marketing company before web choice that literally had almost next to nothing on um, in terms of budget spend we we knew we had to do a few things so I knew LinkedIn was decent then so I kind of started leveraging that putting out content there um, we knew we needed a kind of half decent website that would kind of clearly show what we do, how we helped, share the services we offered, share some social proof testimonials and make it easy for people to get in touch with us. We also knew that long-term SEO was going to help us because we had a background in digital. I mean, that long-term, if six, 12 months or so, if we started doing some SEO, at the time we didn't do it in-house, we just employed a fairly cheap company to do it for us. We knew that it would pay off dividends. Um, so we, we basically did those three things. Plus, we had no book of business right now so what I did was I leveraged my existing network. So mm-hmm. any old clients, mm-hmm. prospects from past companies I'd worked at, called them straight away and said, look, I've moved over. This is what we're doing. Is it worth a conversation? Or do you know anyone that can kind of help with what we do? And then I cold called. So I, um, in this case, I, this was like a marketing agency I worked for. So cold called kind of um, agencies that could potentially give us white label work or that could partner with us. So it wasn't a, really hard cold call situation it was more like look this is what we do Mm. use something similar is there any opportunity for us to kind of pass work each other's way 
Um, and this was old school. So this was back when everything was face to face. So I was setting meetings up in London, um, going up and see them, having conversations. A lot of them were a waste of time, but a few of them paid off because I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't really have any sales training, but still managed to generate some business. So that was if you are really strapped for cash and you're a bootstrap startup and you're B2B using LinkedIn properly, probably teaching yourself how to sell, whether that's reading sales training books or getting on podcasts, listening to podcasts like these, video training, etc. Sorting yourself out a decent website, looking at long-term things, whether that's SEO um, and actually hitting the phones, generating business and working your existing network before you do any of this, because that's going to tap into some clients. And then longer term, there's quite a lot of, because it depends what, what resources you've got. Um, but yeah, longer term things like setting up a podcast or setting up a video series just makes sense because you can literally invite idle clients onto the show, build up relationships. You also create content that you can then share on social, you can share on mm. YouTube, on the podcast channels. And again, you can build up yourself as an authority in what you do. So if you're putting out educational content that's geared towards your idle clients, you're going to position yourself as somebody that knows their shit. And eventually you're going to, you're going to attract inquiries or you're going to build trust with people that were connected to you that now realize that you can actually help them. So that would be mm. some of my first ports of cool. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to play devil's advocate on a few of these things, if you don't mind, Sam. So there's Please do. one of the things you mentioned was having a good website. So I was saying earlier, one of our clients told me the other day and they, they specialize in marketing and website and they said, your website is shit, which is <laughs> a very nice way of putting it. But <laughs> I think I think what you meant by that is well, what I'm going to assume you meant by that is there's not much in terms of what we do and what we say, and I think there is a reason behind that in terms of we like to keep things. If if you present a full story, prospects are going to make up their own mind, and obviously, somebody like yourself who has those sales skills, you don't want to just put your price on the website. You want to have a conversation and and make sure that I you're engaging. Do. You put your price on the website. I was going to say, I've, I've seen that that's one of the main things that you post about, Sam, I, isn't it? That your yeah. price should be there. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to jump in? Sure. Um, so very shortly, I would rather speak to people that are qualified to buy and have budget. Mm -hmm. Rather, and bear in mind, we're, we're pretty much all inbound now. Um, so we we literally had a bunch of leads that were coming in every day. Um, from the marketing channels, do SEO ads, LinkedIn, but a large chunk of them just couldn't afford what we do. Even mm. if we had a conversation with them for 30 minutes, understand what they do, their services, who they want to attract, when it comes to budget perspective, they just don't have the cash to do it, do business with us. So I'd rather be upfront and just say, look, this is our rates. Even if, even if your services are very bespoke, which many B2B companies are, just saying, look, we start at this and maybe we have kind of, a to B pricing for this type of project, C to D pricing for this, E to F for this type of range. Even if you've been quite broad, I just believe it qualifies quite well. And then you have a chance to back that up on your site with social proof. Maybe you've got customer videos, testimonials, accreditations, etc. That's my standpoint. What do you think? I would say, would, would you need to even have a, a sales meeting then? Could you not have like a checkout thing on your website like Tesco? Possibly. If you're very transactional, but let's let's be honest, if you're if you're over a grand or so, for, and and some SaaS solutions are I don't know a few hundred a month more, most people are going to going to want to still speak to a sales rep first. 
Yeah, I'm I am with you, Sam, on that actually. Like the if you've got a lot of inbound traffic, it makes sense to have like a almost like a qualify out strategy. Um, which is kind of what we do on the phone anyway. It's not very hard, please buy off us. It's a quite a nurturing, but still let's disqualify and make sure you definitely can buy from us, get all the reasons to say no on the table. Um we're not fortunate enough to be there yet in terms <laughs> of if we're all cold outreach, but um I'm with you. I'd never actually thought of it like that either, like a uh, bracket A, X range and, of price. Because I was thinking like I, often if I gave you like a hard price, actually there might be a few hundred pounds more work involved. So how would I actually present that on a website? Do you get what I'm saying? I do. And also, do you find, I don't know if you guys do, but do you ever find yourself or clients or um, partners find yourself sending proposals or quotes or anything via email that has pricing on? No, we're quite anti-proposals and quotes. Yeah. The some some companies that aren't, then your website can be quite useful for that. So quite often you'll find that if you're sending PDFs, documents, PowerPoints, etc. in the email, then get stuck in spam folder. People yeah. just skip most people skip to the pricing page anyway. Um or skim the rest of it. So if you've got these assets on your website it saves people time save yourselves team time as well because they can mm. literally just say look check out this page this has got all you need um that's one other kind of point it can come in useful i do that's... agree sorry jack go on i was going to say if it's getting to the point where you're getting hundreds of inbound leads there's only even if you bring in more aes and things like that there's only so many half hour meetings you can take in a weekly basis until you've and i guess like zach said we're not at that point where we're overwhelmed so it's you can have that first port of call conversation and you can work it out and a lot of it like it's either inbound or or outbound on that first five ten minute conversation you can work out their average order value and th things like that so it's a little bit different i guess in terms of what we do but it is just that i think what you want to do is you're right you want people to come onto your website and, and make a decision whether they want to work with you or not and then by sitting down with you that's just the cherry on top yeah, I think you you mentioned something interesting though. Before we got into that, is that your you a prospect said your website was terrible, but they still do they still buy from you. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's interesting. So this is probably shots fired, but Connect and Sell website, in my opinion, is absolutely shocking. But I think <laughs> they've done that for a reason. Like they're all cold outreach, right? They literally mm -hmm. sell a tool that is an auto dialer, so you can cold call like I don't know, ten x whatever you do automatic dialing i don't know the stats but i think they've done that intentionally because they want to speak to people on the phone and they don't really want you to do too much on their website so i think there's sometimes strat strategies to do that method then, to the madness i'd flip it and say they probably bought from you because they trust in what you do mm -hmm. and you guys have probably had great conversation with them asked great questions and built that trust over time um whereas a lot of companies don't have the sales team with those skills to actually mm. do that properly so you're using your website as a crutch to basically do all those things for you. So leverage social proof, leverage testimonials, case studies, customer stories, have a great design that attracts idle clients, clearly share what you do, and then prompt people to reach out to you, if you see what I mean. I think mm. that's fair. If, if you actually look at the other websites in this space, all who companies who do what we do, their websites are super vague as well. They can look quite glossy and nice mm. aesthetically. Yeah. But as I say, I think keeping it vague maybe the psychology is well someone will get in touch to clarify those things but on the flip side i suppose playing devil's advocate to my own comment it might scare people off and think i've no idea what this does or what they can do for me and i'll find somewhere where i can get those answers mm. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a huge problem. A lot of websites, especially in the B2B tech SaaS space, are just massively, massively confusing. Like they just mm. use so much jargon. You land on their homepage and you're still unsure of what they do. Um, and they just use kind of like you'll probably find in conversation with salespeople, they just use all these tech words that customers don't really understand, but are too kind to tell you they don't. Um, when in, in truth, being crystal clear is much more advantageous, much more profitable than trying to sound clever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just clearly outlining what you do and how you help is a lot more effective than trying to use big words. <laughs> and I think going back to what Zach was saying earlier about sales and marketing, for a lot of people I hear say, yeah, but when our website's perfect or when this is and when X and when it, it marketing is the crutch that sales can blame when they're not performing. When sales are doing well, it's all sales. When sales aren't doing well, it's marketing. It's that they get the brunt because do you know what personalities are most of the time are like in sales? It would take a lot for a salesperson to just turn around and say, I'm not doing well. Have you ever heard <laughs> a salesperson say that? No. <laughs> it's, the, it, it's the data it's the dialer it's the uh, yeah yeah it's the white it's... walls in this building <laughs> oh yeah it's true i mean i've said it myself like when there's been slow months and stuff like that oh there's not enough leads coming in or yeah. this and that when in, in fact like you say if you are if you're a fresh sales rep you should be prospecting your own business but at the same mm. time i do believe that depending on the size of your org obviously if you're a startup and there's just a couple of you then you're going to have to prospect most of the time until you've got that inbound flow until you've got the cash and the revenue to actually invest in whether that is paid advertising demand mm -hmm. generation whatever route you go down you're gonna have to do some kind of cold outreach to actually build up that pipeline um yeah unless you've got funding that'd be nice maybe one day <laughs> <laughs> Chili Piper's form concierge was built specifically for marketers. Double inbound conversions and qualified meetings. Keep your best prospects red hot by eliminating the waiting period after they raise their hand for a demo. Let website visitors self-qualify and book a meeting with the right rep instantly. Never let another inbound lead fall through the cracks. Stop chasing inbound leads. Start booking meetings. Book your free personalized demo today at chilipiper.com that's c-h-i-l-i-p-i-p-e-r.com charles runs a software company he gets a decent amount of leads through his website through paid ads but when it comes to the organic non-paid listings on google his competitors are stealing his visibility traffic and customers all because they rank higher than him on organic search with seo search engine optimization he set up a call with WebChoice. They took the time to understand his business, goals, and plans, and crafted a long-term strategy to rank higher on Google. After a few months of working with WebChoice, Charles was above the competition and enjoying more organic leads than ever, and was even able to reduce his ad spend from the uptick in organic inbound leads. Want to enjoy more inbound sales leads with SEO? Book a free consultation today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Um, so another thing, putting the, uh, putting the boxing gloves back on, we've seen that you've posted that a website is better than a salesperson. And it, it hurts my feelings that you would think that, Sam, but I was hoping you could uh, 
go into that in a bit more detail. Yeah, yeah. So let's let me share a quick story. So a while back, this was probably a couple of years back now. Someone um, booked a demo with me for their stuff um, under the illusion that they kind of wanted to buy something from me. Um, it was quite vague, but then I was a bit less aware. Like these days, if someone messages me on LinkedIn or cold emails me, I, I always want to know exactly what it is before I jump into a meeting. Um, just to get a bit of context more than anything. But anyway, hopped on the call regardless. Sounded like they wanted to buy from me. Got on the Zoom. It was about 15 minutes of them just sharing this web tool, like features, benefits of it. <laughs> Literally just, I, I didn't get a word in edgeways. They were just hopping around, showing me screens and explaining how great it was, how good their company was, how many awards they've won, how many years they've been in business, all these great gizmos of this great widget that we could stick on our website. And then it got to, 15 70 minutes in I said thanks mate but you, it's been 15 70 minutes you haven't asked me one question you have no idea what my company does um if we're even a good fit to work together you've just kind of bragged about how great you are um so I think I'll pass but I wish you all the best so that was like for me that's the absolute antichrist like how not to do a demo mm-hmm. um and I feel like many websites are just like terrible sales reps and the fact that they just want to brag about how great they are um, they don't want to qualify so they, they're scared to share pricing. They're scared to share processes, case studies, um, and they make it difficult for prospects to take the next step. So what I mean by that is, yes, there are great salespeople. There's no doubt of that. Um, but unlike a sales rep, your website can be live all the time. So it's literally live 24-7. Um, so prospects can be looking at it all the time on the basis that you're marketing it effectively on channels that idle clients actually use. Um mm-hmm. And then your site can do all those things. So it can show what you do. It can educate. Um, it can qualify. Um, it can build trust. And it can kind of point people to take the next step. But it can do the opposite as well. So it can scare people away. So a bad website is just as bad as a bad sales rep. Pretty much. Or worse. Yeah. But And, and then what's the... From your experience, what's the percentage split? Obviously, you're in this business to to solve problems for people. How many good websites that help people on that buying journey actually exist in the B2B space compared to ones that don't? Probably like 50-50, something like that. Really? Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm being a bit harsh just because I like to be harsh. But I just think <laughs> there's just a lot. Um, and like, there's a main thing, like there's a test that I run um, I didn't invent it, but there's something called the grunt test, which you should apply to any homepage that you actually want to generate a business from your website. So it's basically, could a caveman land on your website in caveman times with his laptop in front of him and clearly grunt within a couple seconds of landing on your site? Could he grunt exactly what you do, how you help, and how to get in touch? If you couldn't grunt that within a couple seconds of landing on your website homepage, then you're losing business. Mm. Because people, people are going to flick off your site and head to a competitor because um, people don't like messing around. They don't have much time. They want to get stuff done fast. And likewise, mm. it's the same if your website loads slowly. So if you've got a really poor page load speed, if it takes like five or six seconds to load your site, they're going to get frustrated and just head to the competition. Um, so those kind of things. And if your site doesn't work smoothly on mobile and desktop, so those kind of things just throw people off and lose your business straight away. Okay. Mm. So what if what if we've got the price on the website, I've got a clear value proposition. I know what problem you solve mm-hmm. and I reach out to you, but I'm actually the wrong fit. What what things would you put in place to make sure that I'm qualified up front before you 
get through to actually sitting down with me. In what way is he the wrong fit? Um, I'm one of five decision makers. I don't have budget actually till next quarter. So I'm looking at this now along with many other things. Um, I've already got something in place. We're signed up with a, you know, I've got a contract in place for another year. I'm trying to just think of other examples, but let's say those ones to start off with. So those ones that might be not necessarily wrong fit long-term, but wrong fit for now. So, you know, you, you might not want to spend loads of time on me tomorrow. I was like an urgent, let's get this guy in. I think something's going to happen. Yeah. So it's more of like a, a lead that you probably want to nurture over time. Yeah. Like, but is there any, is there things you would put in place to make sure that's ticked off up front? There's, there's a few things. It's, it's, yeah, there's a few things you can do. So, in terms of the first point, so you're one of five decision makers, then I guess what you could do on your, your website is you can maybe have a process page um, or something similar where you share the type of people that you tend to deal with. So if there was generally a point of contact that your product tends to, that your sales team tend to deal with or your account manager tends to liaise with, maybe you could say, look, typically we'll be involved with the VP of marketing, whatever that is, and you explain this is why. This is because they control the marketing department they run the show we need to have a close conversation with them and ensure that everything runs smoothly so things like that or maybe have a video explaining it or animation or something like that along with some copy and that kind of explainer budget next quarter don't know if there's a great deal you can do about that um you could you could be super cheeky on your site and you could literally say like um I don't know whether you have a calendar tool integrated, whether that's Calendly, Chili Piper, or something like that, so you can put the time and date, and maybe you share on that. Um, please pick a time if you're ready to kind of look at this tool in the next three to six months or something like mm. that. If you wanted to be cheeky, that's something you could do, um, and that will qualify out people that aren't looking to buy in the next three to six months. Um, was there something else you said as well? Um, I mean, you're 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 answering most of these for me anyway I, th I think the um the issue is with what i suppose with what you're saying I'm, I'm potentially with the way we would stand on this as well is yeah you might get blindsided either way potentially um so perhaps rather than one takes over from the other it's they yeah. can both work together quite symbiotically mm. would, you, would you disagree with me on that i wouldn't disagree i mean i would say that you've got to remember that nothing's going to be perfect like Every now and then, you're going to get someone that disregards your pricing and still tries to get, a, still tries to book a meeting, yet they can't afford you. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's the same in, in cold calling, right? Someone's going to say that they they tick all the boxes. Yes, we've got budget. Yes, we can buy now. Yes, yeah. I'm the decision maker. You get on the next call. It turns out they're just a sales manager, and they've got like five directors above them that need to sign the boxes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have a guy who comes back every few months, and we have the same conversation, and we invoice him, and he never opens the invoice, and. We never actually yeah. work with him. And he comes back again, apologizing a few months later, and we go through the same process and do it again. Um, so one yeah. more time, if you're listening, and you get whitelisted, <laughs> all right? Can I, uh, can I chip in on that? Can I chip in on something? So I, I had a great personalized link, LinkedIn message, and I don't really respond well to LinkedIn. I'd rather someone call me, but somebody, a, a young SDR, sent me a message for a piece of software, and it's something that we were in the, the market for and we were looking at. They sent me a calendar link, which was great. And I was like, yeah, I'm really into this. Is this something that's fine? They sent me a Calendly link, and there were mm. so many questions attached to it. Obviously, they were trying to qualify me. Yeah. And I, I, I disqualified myself. I said, I, I don't want to write. I, really, to get through to book a meeting, I was happy to move forward. 
but by qualifying me so intensely, and there's probably about 10 different sections, I closed the link and I didn't reply to her. So I'm very sorry about that. But <laughs> I was, I, I disqualified myself. And now decision maker, yeah. Budget, yeah. Time, yeah. All these things. Otherwise, I wouldn't have engaged and I engaged in that conversation. But she disqualified me out. Do you think that there is such a thing as too much disqualification, boys? Is that to me? But anybody, yeah, you take it. You're the guest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there is. Um, I guess there's a line between qualifying, reducing friction on an experience and giving a good experience to your prospect, potential customer, and then pissing someone off. Mm. So, like in your case, you just got so frustrated, you headed off the form because they asked you mm. so many questions. So it's on those kind of forms, I think it's just asking the key things that you need to have the conversation i.e. I don't know if theirs was a SaaS tool, so perhaps they just have set fees, but maybe just asking the basics like name, email. If you do need them to pick a budget bracket, fine. Um, and then do you need much more than that? I but mean, um, People are trying to just do discovery on a form or via an email these days. Well, what's the point of a discovery call? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, I would use, like I said, I'd use your site as a light, tool to qualify people initially and then like i say it's not going to be perfect it will help qualify quite well you're still going to get a few slip through the gaps but then that's why on the basis that your product and your average um, order value warrants it have a discovery call as that next step and that way like you say you can decide if you can actually help this person or if they're a good match to work with you so yeah yeah don't have too many fields because that will throw some people off there you go. Sorry about that. <laughs> so have you got any good anecdotal examples in your distinguished career of really bad marketing that you've come in and thought, oh, my God, I need to really pull the hood back here and roll my sleeves up. This is just the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been a few. There's been a few. I mean, there's there's been some where people have just kind of taken – marketing budget away like we were doing maybe seo for them or paid ads and then their friend had told them to invest a load of cash in tv advertising and radio so they took that i was like wow good luck with that um which for some really traditional industries where perhaps the listeners are a bit more elderly and stuff like that like we've we've got a client actually that's in double glazing and a lot of their clients like 60 plus so yeah that that kind of stuff and old magazine ads and stuff like that can actually work because their demographics reading it but a big part of marketing is understanding where your audience actually are mm. and what they're actually using to consume the content that you might appear on so yeah taking the time to research that properly is is very important um but i think the worst thing and this this is typically where we get involved is just from an inbound perspective because a lot of people aren't like you boys they don't actually want to do any cold outreach or they're happy to do maybe cold linkedin and um, cold email outreach but when it comes to picking up the phone that's a no-go so a lot of people just spend a lot of cash whether that is on paid advertisement like google ads or review sites like g2 captera those kind of stuff but then they just send them to a, a website that does a poor job of making people take the next step um so like addressing all those points we were talking about earlier really so it doesn't give a, a clear value prop on how you help doesn't um qualify prospects in doesn't share examples or results that you've brought to the table, doesn't share, um, doesn't educate people, so doesn't prove to them that you're a go-to person in your sector. So maybe it has things like blog articles or video resources or 
podcasts and guides and all that good stuff um, and doesn't make it easy for people to speak to sales because one one area that websites fall short which is quite often debated on LinkedIn actually is like whether you should have a calendar tool or like a contact form mm-hmm. um, but I think giving people the option so if prospects come on your site some people might want to phone you straight away just give them the option to phone some people might want to email some people might want to fill a form so making your call to actions on your website, whether that is book a call or request a consultation, making those nice and clear on your headline. And as people scroll down on pages, so they can easily click the call to action and then get in touch with you on their preferred channel um, rather than forcing them to take an action that you might want to take. Mm-hmm. So some people don't agree with that, do they not? Well, I think a lot of B2B companies just want people to book time on a calendar. Right. Um, like, for example, on WebChoice on our site, we don't actually use a calendar tool. But that's mainly because me and Tom, who co-own the company with another chap, run the sales department. So we just reply to inquiries like within a couple of minutes on email anyway. Um, but I can understand calendar tools for large organizations where you have to split leads to multiple sales reps and things like that. Um, I think there's a time and a place for them. But I'm, I'm mainly talking about giving people option to phone if they wish or fill out a form or live chat, depending on where you're at. So mm. so I suppose flipping, flipping the conversation a bit here, from the from the business side, what what are what are your ambitions for the business over the next few years? What what's kind of left to do? Yeah, yeah. So ultimately, if we can get to to the point where we can get certain turnover, maybe maybe look to exit. I'm not sure. Um, at the moment, I I'm quite a fortunate spot really, as I get to mess around on LinkedIn, mess around on the podcast, mess around on the YouTube. Um, deal with the inbound sales inquiries and like my favorite part of the work is kind of more from a strategy and consulting point of view so um just having those conversations and understanding if we can help people helping people with go-to-market strategies acquiring more inbound um and then at the same time working with the team so i'm quite fortunate i don't have to be too hands-on with the actual building and delivery because we've got a great team around us um so yeah it's just more on growing monthly recurring revenue as i'm sure almost 99 percent of the people that tune in want to do ramp up the retainers so if you need yeah. seo give me a shout and um <laughs> <laughs> that that that's the main plan really and keep keep building on the podcast side of things yeah 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 you've had some uh some great guests as i said to you before it's a regular listen for me on a dog walk in the evening i think ah oh, you've had some i listened to you with marcus kalki yesterday we oh, yeah, on, that was a while ago, actually, yeah. We were just on Marcus's podcast, and I had to listen to it Ooh. a few times before because I heard that he might tear us a new one. Um, but he was actually th- very nice. Was he? Yeah, yeah, because mm. I, I, um, he did mention, like I said to him, he was on mine like a, good, a long, long time ago, and I said, would you be opposed to having me on yours? And he said, I'm quite stern and like quite firm, and that like, kind of threw me off. And I was like, <laughs> oh, <I'm not> sure. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys survived it. Well, we survived we'll, it. He we'll did warn we'll, us at we'll, the start. He he did say, didn't he, Jack? He said, "There's normally a part where I make you feel uncomfortable. Are you okay with that?" Well, I think so. Now, now that you've been nice to me, yeah. <laughs> we'll listen yeah. back to it and see how harsh it actually was. Yeah. Um, yeah, you... Sorry, Sam. Go on. I was just going to say you had um, Chris Voss's son on the other day, didn't you, on your show? Mm. Yeah, we had Chris Voss's son. We've got some cool. We actually get That's our guests. Yeah, we, we actually get them through cold calling. Believe it or not. Are you cold called him? We cold call the majority of our guests that are like slightly out of reach. Yeah, yeah. 
um, we just put them through Cognizant and just get the mobile numbers and just ring them and they normally laugh because it's like the usual, this is a cold call, but flipped on its head and said, this is a call about trying to get you on our podcast. Do you want to hang up? I like that. And they normally laugh and say, go on, what's it about? So we've got some pretty cool guests coming up through doing that. Obviously, some people say, absolutely not. <laughs> go yeah, I, rang, yeah, uh, yeah. I rang James Kahn from Dragon's Den the other day. Did you? Yeah, he was absolutely I'm... not up for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. Who else do we ring? Jennifer Lopez? She didn't. Jennifer Lopez we rang, but we just got through to a mobile. But I don't know what I'd talk to Jennifer Lopez about in terms of sales and marketing. I could think of a few things. Yeah, I bet <laughs> you could. I bet you could. Um, right, Sam, that we've taken loads of your time there. I think that's been really insightful. If people want to want to find you and, and pick your brains, what's the best route? Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. So, yeah, the podcast where we share kind of website and marketing tips and we interview marketers and sales leaders every week is business growth show so you can find that at businessgrowth.marketing um connect with me on linkedin i'm sharing marketing and website tips every day otherwise if you're perhaps feeling frustrated that your website is failing to generate a steady flow of inbound sales opportunities or you're just tired of seeing your competitors ahead of you on google when you search for the product or service you offer then give us a shout might be able to help it's webchoiceuk.com nice that was a good pitch i'm gonna steal that <laughs> um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> cool, right, Sam. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll see everyone again next week. Cheers, guys.